Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 730 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. Yeah. All right, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs>
pull it in even tighter and mm-hmm. look specifically at one location um, by the tail end of our episode. So I don't know if this will be a one-part or a two-part world-building right. uh, couple of episodes. But but then- I do I do I would say it's probably safe to say that going forward, world-building is going to be a bigger part than I think when we started. Right, because I, I my gut feeling is that I wanted to avoid just being another world-building podcast because right. what's entertaining about listening to two guys come up with a really made-up world, but at the same time, it might be, and we need that information in order to do the mechanics. Right, and it makes, it, it, yeah, it'll contribute a lot more to the monster creation if not flesh out the monster creation. You know, because it would, it would suck to go through and create, you know, we'll say Slither Shadow, um, but then come up with some kind of mechanic and then have to go back and fix it. And then, you know, once we have this world figured out, we're applying it at the, you know, we're front loading it into the monster creation and it mm-hmm. just makes more sense than. And not just the monsters. Yeah. Also, that'll apply to the classes, mm-hmm. the the magic items, the races. Like I, you know. Yeah, I'm, because for classes, we're going to go back to one that's been in the tank for a long time. Yeah, we've got the first infancy of this idea. So while we are. Yeah. Um, shooting from the hip for a lot of this stuff, and we mm-hmm. are coming up with a lot of the details on the fly as we record. Yeah. We also discuss in the week in between when we're working on material, right. we work and brainstorm other ideas. And we have some, like I said, in the tank yeah. that we've been thinking about for a while. Right. And we're going to go through a couple of those, just like yeah. maybe just say them out loud in yeah. hopes that the universe hears us and says, okay, make it so. Yeah. The cosmic Jean-Luc Picard. <laughs> Um, so let's talk a little bit, uh, I want to begin actually, let me stop, wait, reverse that. Mm-hmm. I want to go back and I want to just add two things to our previous episode. Uh, you can call these corrections. They are, un- they are things that I unfortunately omitted when we were talking about the Slither Shadow. If you have looked at the stat block that I posted on the website or on our social media account for the Slither Shadow, I did want to point out, and I failed to do so in the episode, that I used a website called GM Binder to build that stat block. Um, it's a very cool uh, website where you can use Markdown code. I think it's Markdown code. I'm not up on what my coding languages are. A code of some kind to fill in a template for things like stat blocks. People use it to create a lot of homebrew. Yeah. Um, well, it makes the pages look. It makes like them look coming pretty. out of something official. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So shout out to GM Binder. I will throw that in the show notes for this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, when developing that stat block, I made the joke about. Uh, translating numbers into dice expressions. And there is a website that I used for that. It's a website where you can type in a dice expression. It will spit out the average number. So when you're creating a monster, if you want it to say 10 damage, you can type in 2d6 and and hit enter, and it will spit out what the average damage of the is. is. It gives you the whole um, bell bell curve. curve, And you can also add the 2d6 plus 3, so that gives you some a, a little bit of a tool that you can use to figure out what the dice expressions are for the damage you are shooting for. And eventually you may end up like rounding down. You might end like, if I want it to be nine damage, if you can end up getting 9.5, that's good because we round everything down. Yeah. Um, if you end up at 8.5, maybe you just say, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it at eight. Yeah. And, and sometimes the internet thinking for you is just awesome. Yes, especially when <laughs> yes. it comes to math things. Because yeah, once yeah. again... Not a math person. Yeah, please internet math for me. Yes, and and I guess then at some point we might get some angry email because, you know, the joke, if you want an answer, you don't ask a question. If you want an answer on the internet, you instead state something yeah. and someone will jump around to correct you. They might. So 
Um, I wouldn't actually. know if, if I if I actually just say like, is this how you do dice expressions? I will not get any answers. But if I say, use this website and this is how you get dice expressions, Somebody's someone gonna, will correct Somebody me. will come out. Yeah, exactly. So those are my two corrections that I wanted to start with. And now I want to, let's jump into our world building. Yeah. So as a tool for this episode, if you hear my pages rattling. Yeah, we're um, literally... I'm literally, literally rattling pages. I've right literally now. got the tool in front of me. Yeah. Uh, for a resource, resource? I don't know why I said it like that. For a resource today. Put the emphasis um, on the wrong syllable. <laughs> our resource today is a book by James D'Amato called mm. The Ultimate RPG Game Master World Game Master's World Building Guide: Prompts and Activities to Create and Customize Your Own Game World. It's a neat book that breaks down all of the steps of world building for different genres of gaming and fantasy. Right. Um, not just fantasy. Fantasy, sci-fi, cyberpunk, horror. And it has a different section for each one of those genres. Oh. But here in the front part of this fantasy section, mm-hmm. I thought it'd be fun. There is a list of 20 questions that you can ask about your world to help you flesh it out. And all I'm aware of is that there are 20 questions. That's it. This is a this, this is, is an a, episode of 20 questions. Yeah, it's kind of a random encounter mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. A little bit. It's not the random encounter. It's not though. the random encounter, but it is. But it is one. Yeah, a random encounter. It certainly. Is. So I thought it'd be interesting. I'm going to ask you some of these questions, and let's see how well we've done already before looking at these questions yep. at fleshing out the world of Esteroc. How detailed do we answer these questions? I'm saying let's shoot rapid fire from the hip a little bit. Okay. Um, we don't have to lock anything down, but if the answer leads to something that we might want to save in our to be developed mechanics tank then let's take a minute a minute and say that okay. so if we're like there's something jumps out and we're like hey that'd be really cool to create a class or a race or a lineage later yeah we can say that and then we can make a note of that and put it in our cool tbd to be designed oh yeah you like that it would be yes yeah exactly so 20 questions mm-hmm. question number one is magic present in our world yeah how common is it it's pretty darn common. Yep. Yeah, we're pretty it's, high magic. It, it's it's very common. Yeah. Yes. Okay, cool. Two. See, we're gonna we're gonna rip right through these. Yeah. It'll be fun. What major event in the world's history is remembered largely inaccurately? Um that would be the the, the storm. The sevenfold the storm. The sevenfold storm. Yep. We could also throw in there the disappearance of the giants. And I was I was it was funny because I my brain was like, Well, we're looking for seven sevenfold storm. Um, but my first thing was like, well, the giants is a thing too. Um, so both. So yeah. Multiple mysteries. We're good there. We're doubly good there. Yeah. What happens to people when they die? Well, this one is okay. So we don't exactly have that. We Um, don't. We, I know we've, we've been at the fringes of that. That's kind of bounced around because, you know, traditionally you die and you cross into another plane. Right. But we're Um, plane locked. But we're plane locked. We're a little bit like a domain of dread. So TBD? Um, Oh, yeah. TB, TBD. Yeah. TBD. Okay. Which creatures are capable of speech? Oh. Um, wow. I don't I don't know. I mean, uh, the, the standard ones. The All of our standard races. Yeah, all of our lineages. standard races. Um, but given the nature of Iliaster... <sighs> Anything significantly imbued with magic from Iliaster and then affected by the perception of other peoples? Yeah. But, I mean, so yes, the people that speak are, are, are our lineages. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What is special about the shape of our world? Um, I would say that uh, nothing's real special about the sh- shape, right? But it does have a giant 
yeah uh a giant set of intercollecting you know interconnected giant freeways that run mm. potentially infinitely or whatever around it's a it. big world it's a big we, we are imagining a very very this is a huge very, planet very large planet yeah. yes because we want our players to feel small and insignificant yeah but not in a silly honey i shrunk the kids way right unless that's what they want unless that's what you want yeah, in which, which is case bless yep what unseen forces have power here um so is this not divinity that that's all it says wow that's a i, I think that's a tbd yeah i mean really it, could you count iliaster well i don't know if we've gotten to there yet no. maybe i mean just as a general interjected reminder those of you who might have not following this with you know notes yeah. and everything iliaster is of course the liquid magical substance that permeates all living things on the planet and is both a blessing and a curse to the people stranded upon it right so we'll tbd that mm -hmm. is there a place here known for peace is it easy to find well so yeah yeah i would say i mean there are there are sectors of civilization right i imagine that there, we have our city. Yep. It's known for its peace. Mm -hmm. And we have... Stability, if, if nothing Stability. Else. Yeah. We have the settlement, which honestly is the doorway to a dangerous place, but it mm -hmm. itself is supposed to be a place of safety. Yeah. Um, and I also imagine that there's an area that... Again, just thinking logistically, there's going to be an area where there's a significant amount of farming done. So yeah, well, there'd, there'd have to be. By yeah. the time this episode airs, I will have a rough map posted on the website as well that mm -hmm. I've been I've been using Incarnate to play with a bunch of different maps as I've shown you, yeah. because I am not a cartographer, and not in, not in your spare time, not in my spare well, time. I, I mean, cartography is a big thing. People pick that up all the time. I know, right? It's just, just something I'll I'll just teach myself, you yeah. know, in a couple of hours. Um, <laughs> but there's got to be an area where there's general farming done. To, sure. to I mean, there's got to be supply. agriculture. The there has to be. Yeah, there would have to be. What mystery has gone unsolved for as long as almost anyone can remember? Well, that's, yeah, that's the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, we've already said that. Yeah. The dis disappearance of that's, the giants. Yeah, and, it's almost redundant. How did we get stuck here? Yeah. What is something very commonly understood, and what is something considered secret knowledge? So let's start the first half. What is something that is commonly understood? Um, probably that uh, iliaster is a dangerous and unpredictable substance. Yes. Yep. That's definitely. And just to step that one step further, that its presence in the verge, the unchecked arcane yeah. wilderness. Which is a term we've been using a lot, but I don't think we've introduced listeners to. I know, right? But, yeah. So the the untamed magical wilderness that they're always trying, that, that is where people adventure into, but it also can affect you or yeah. infect you in certain ways. Right. And th that can be the jungle, the deciduous... Forest. Uh, forest it could be desert mm -hmm. it could be arctic um but no matter what it's nature winning and nature yeah uh, dominating exactly what is something that is considered secret knowledge well i don't i don't know i don't think we really have anything but there's we we are definitely building in a debate over what do you got i have something yeah what is it nullomancy oh yeah yeah, yeah. okay yeah so one of the ideas that we had over our week That's right. was that the, the people in the yep. city, mm -hmm. uh, on the city of Arches, or the city of, of the, the bridge city, yeah. they, in their fear of Iliaster, their fear of being infected by the Verge, mm -hmm. they have developed, they study Iliaster in an academic, a kind of a cold clinical academic way, in such a way that they have developed a means by which to reverse the polarity of the neutron flow i guess right yeah anti-iliaster 
Yeah. Um, it's a specific skill that they use to help keep areas safe or keep them from being overgrown or clerically to heal any infection right. so and we'll stuff just, like that. I think we could just take a moment to basically say that I know that we've talked on previous episodes about how we'll have like a class divide, but mm-hmm. what we've kind of developed is more of a, a philosophical. Right. Instead of the people up top are better and, you know, feel that they're better and luckier um, than the people down on the ground rather than, you know, oh, we, we send all of the, the poor folks down right, to the ground. That's not what we wanted. Right? Yeah, we ultimately didn't want that. But what it is is the people that live on the ground amongst the verge are more like the you know more of like the nature i don't want to just say, hippie, say hippies <laughs> i was gonna say hippies but they're more the nature type like we should work with this thing this is you know pushing against it working against it is while only gonna respecting make it its danger right exactly and then the people up are more like you all are crazy yeah and we're like, gonna harness this yeah for our own ends but we don't want to be in it right because the people on the surface utilize it just differently exactly um so so yeah, I would say that 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 knowledge of how to do that would be something that would be tightly controlled, right? Because then it well, because if you could if you could understand it, then um, it could be negated as well, right? And it gives right. them a, it gives them a leg up in negotiation. Well, if you mm-hmm. want this magic that can be used to heal you being taken over by vines or whatever, right? Whatever that ends up looking like. Yeah. All right. What number are we on? We're on number ten. There's how many? Twenty. All right, I should have brought a drink. That's fine. I'm sorry. <laughs> what landmark stands as a permanent reminder of a major event? Uh, the the Colossal Expanse. The, yes. <laughs> yes. We had an immediate answer to that yeah, one. Yeah, that one was like right away. We don't even have to develop it. Nope. It's already BD'd. What is a relative recent, relatively recent invention that dramatically changed the world? Um, did we do Nolamancy again? I think Nullamancy would have not have to have been recent, right? Yeah, that would have had to have been, you know. A couple hundred years back. Yeah. Now, what do we define recent? Are we talking recent in on a elvish lot? terms? <laughs> yeah, like in elvish terms. Um, and again, we don't have to have yeah, an answer for this. This can be one, one of our TBDs. Yep, TBD. What is considered rare and valuable? Um, probably a good conversation and a warm cup of tea. Oh, that would be rare very valuable. Val- just some time to yourself. Yep. Um, or maybe Iliaster. Or, uh, yes, exactly. Iliaster. We should probably go with that one. Um, what is common and essential? <laughs> Iliaster. <laughs> Iliaster is common in that it is found in all things, but right. it is uncommon in that it is very difficult to extract and find in large quantities. Yes, that's true. So plants. There's lots plants, of plants. There's lots of plants. Lots and lots of plants. Very jungly. Yep. When not in person, how do people communicate? Uh, I don't know. Probably just sending spells. Yeah, probably sending spells. I don't think that's something we would cut. Yeah, no. You. Um. Yeah, sending spells. But I. I don't know. Maybe uh, it'd be interesting to see again because I always kind of picture down on the ground the natural people and the people up being you know people on the surface of the expanse being like I said like the steampunky. Uh, clockwork folks maybe they utilize iliaster to communicate you know maybe there's some sort of version of the what was the thing in history with the the, the horses what was that called pony express the pony express maybe yeah. there's some sort of you know colossal express yeah and oh for sure and people i love that yeah. physically travel with messages when they don't have access to a yeah and spell. then people who can scale up and down quickly yep. yep yeah what fear is shared by many people across the world i would um probably triggering another sevenfold storm absolutely um because that was my thing you know i was kind of thinking the people up you know the individuals that live up on the expanse itself are you know kind of toying with it in ways that maybe they shouldn't you know 
And then the people on the ground are like, don't do that because then, you, you know, that's what they, we think. They're delving what, too deep but yeah. in the sky. Yeah, exactly. They're messing around with forces they can't comprehend. That type the other thing. thing we could say that people are scared of is being infected. Mm-hmm. If they're in, if they're in contact with the ground enough, there are some people who would be fearful of being infected by the verge, by Iliaster. Right. Um, so I came up with a term for that. That's going to be one of our TBDs, but I mm-hmm. actually had something where I said we should call it revergence. Yeah. So, and I like that because I love calling all the nature the verge anyway. Yeah. Um, and the idea that you're either embracing it, you're revert, <laughs> you gotta be careful. How we <laughs> revergence, that. revergence. Yes. So that's the mechanics by which a character is slowly infected by the verge. Right. Some may choose to embrace that. Others may be fearful of it and want it cured. But mm-hmm. it, there's, again, it's not a good, bad. It's a thing. People can then apply their own fears, acceptances upon it. Yeah. Um, but if people, but you know, a large number of people are probably scared of that. Sure. They don't want to be turned into a plant person. Right. Because I think for the people up on the Colossal Expanse, it's essentially like, oh, that's, you know, nuclear power. You know, it's it's heavy water. It's Exactly. You know, you know to us, it's, this is a dangerous chemical. What are you doing with it type of thing? What measure have they taken to guard against the sphere? The, the nullomancy. The nullomancy. Yeah. See? We yeah. do have this. Okay. That is still a TBD, but that's, we have an answer. Mm-hmm. What is something you wish existed in the real world that does exist in this world? Saying magic is cheating. Hmm. Again, we don't have to have an yeah, answer. I don't have anything for that one. All right, right let's, now. we'll think about that one. Yeah. We are now on 18. We're closing in on the end. Wow. How do the skies of this world look different from the sky we know? Hmm. What would make our sky unique? I mean, I, again, because I, I know in previous episodes we said we were not even going to bother with whether this is physically likely or. Correct. Um, Maybe maybe we don't have clouds because they're so incomprehensibly high that it almost just kind of blends into like a, All right. I don't know, almost like a mist. I don't know. The only thing I can think of is if we don't have clouds, how do we have rain? It takes a while. It makes it <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. But what about um, what about celestial sky? So when it's dark at night, mm-hmm. do the stars look different every night? Are the stars? Like maybe there's a different moon and stars every night, and it, they only return every couple yeah. hundred days or something like that. Again, something just to reemphasize the or weirdness. Or what if they don't change? Oh, yeah, they're just always there. They're always... Cosmically locked? Yeah, they're cosmically locked. That's something, too. You know, I always like the idea of seeing a moon in the sky that is half shattered. And just yeah, like I always like that, too. Yeah. A frozen, shattered moon in the sky. Well, we can consider that too. Yeah. Because I mean, the sevenfold storm could be this huge mess. Exactly. Um, it'd be kind of neat if you see, you know, this, uh, you know, a perfect celestial, you know, all the stars and the nebulas and, and all this stuff, but there's like a huge gaping black space that you can't miss from wherever you are. Right. And that's just to feed into, is this where the storm came what is from? This? Did it come plunging through this? Why is there null space? And, mm-hmm. you know, again... Things for people to play with, putting exactly. in their hands. Creating yeah. mysteries that we don't have to solve, but they're right. there for other people to create stories to solve. Right. Yeah. Like I told my daughter who would listen to the show. Yeah, exactly. She was like, how'd the giants disappear? I go, I don't know. Talon has an idea. I have an idea. It's up to you. <laughs> exactly. 19. Yep. What figure do most people commonly tell stories about? We don't have one of those. No, we don't have an ancient hero Maybe yet. that. But maybe that devil guy that I created. Yes. He could... Yeah, because you had an idea for a a fiend that was trapped on on yeah that was trapped on Esterok, 
you know, at the same time, eons ago or whatever. And, and he what was you a, said, he consumed all other. He was a minor demon, and because of the upheaval and the change of magic, was able to basically consume uh, others until he's moved up and he's now, you know, a higher level demon. What did I call him? Argal? Yeah, because his eyes, um, he his eyes were. It was that picture I sent you. His eyes are white and milky, except for the occasional struggle of the hands of the demon. Like, like his eyes are the windows of a demon's jail. Right. So, so he's got all these little hands pressing against hands the Hands constantly the eyes. pressing against the eyes. Just maybe it's a, really horror fuel. It looks really creepy, and it would be very disconcerting. So. so that would be a good figure that people could tell stories about. Yeah. Um, we probably should create, at some point, some historical figures who were the original... Yeah. leaders who are trapped after mm-hmm. the sevenfold well, storm who founded the different areas yeah and if you have um a different set of philosophies usually they come from somebody you know or at least somebody championed it at some point that's why it's there's probably some ancient cult leader that led to one of the evil cults that i'm sure will develop you yeah, know as, you need a cult yeah everyone needs a cult you probably yeah. need competing cults for sure how are these stories told hmm well if you're on the ground it's oral yep and you know oral tradition <laughs> And if you're just to clarify, the, <laughs> I did, did. And if you're up on the colossal expanse, then it's probably in a library, and yeah. it's probably old documents, but they, scrolls. And think about it, like paper production. Mm-hmm. Um, if we were just talking about like books and scrolls and things like that, they're going to have to. A lot of this is returning to more primitive creation mm-hmm. because all these people were stranded. Like I think about the fact that, like, oh yeah, paper. I could just write things down on paper, but if I'm stranded on a desert island. I mean, I'm I'm screwed. I don't I don't know how to make paper. Yeah, if I wasn't the guy who knew how to make paper, I'm gonna figure out how to do that. And that's sort of the idea we talked about how we solve the problem of skyships. Yeah, because we did talk about that. That they yeah. had skyships when the seven stor- sevenfold storm hit, mm-hmm. but those skyships, maybe some of them are damaged in the storm, some of them destroyed. The ones that remain are only gonna last so long. And just because people flew them here doesn't mean they know how to build them. Right. You know, you don't have your mechanic sitting in the back of your Hyundai. Exactly. Yeah. You know. So we probably have books, scrolls. This suggests plays, spoken word, broadcast. I don't think we have broadcast, but I think yeah, I can't see all the other elements. Yeah, all the other ones for sure. I don't see broadcast though. Yeah. And 20, last question. Mm-hmm. How important is technology to the daily lives of people in this world? Um, pretty, pretty important. Yeah, and yeah. I would say it depends, right? Yeah. So the to people in, for instance, the city of Farpoint, mm-hmm. which is going to be our capital city, Right. The city of Farpoint being more technologically advanced using Iliaster to fuel more arcane mechanical. Right. I hate saying steampunky, but arcane punky. I know. That's the only way I could I know. put it. I don't. And I'm, I'm sure that well, I'll be driving home one day and I'll call you and I'll go, no, this is what it's like. Right. Because that's usually what ends up. So happening. just so you know, steampunk, ladies and gentlemen, that's a is a placeholder. Yeah. Steampunk. I love my favorite description of steampunk is when someone said it's what it's what happened when goth people discovered the color brown. <laughs> right. Perhaps. Yes. So that's the first 20... Now, there's this chapter continues on. It goes into developing yeah. pantheons and other and talking about magic systems, and I'd love to look at that in more detail as we move forward. Yeah, and but the pantheon's going to be a big one for yeah, us. Yeah, I'm excited we, about doing pantheons. Yeah, it's gonna, we've chit-chatted about Because that I really want to look at how to do the same pantheon, but from different perspectives of different peoples. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, again, I said, like, to some people, the sun god's going to be great, and to other people, the sun god's going to be awful. Right. So that there is no clear understanding. Well, you know, I think of the Orville from this season when um, they had the 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 bad guys that came over and were sensitive to the sun. 
and they played uh they had them watch annie and she was singing that horrible song the oh, sun yeah, will and come out like, tomorrow oh, the, the terrible song yeah the, oh, krill. the sun will come out tomorrow <laughs> quite horrifying that's quite chilling yeah terrifying yeah so it's um, that concept I, and that's what i want that's what yeah. makes a world feel real yeah so so yeah that's the that is our uh, first little touch into this book. I'll put a link to this uh, book to the publisher's page in the show notes. Again, that's the Ultimate RP- RPG Game Master's World Building Guide, Prompts and Activities to Create and Customize Your Own Game World by James D'Amato. Um, I do believe that the... Is the foreword of this by Patrick Rothfuss? Let me check. The foreword is by Patrick Rothfuss, creator of um, the two-part trilogy of uh, Name of the Wind and Wise Man's Fear. Okay. And Doors of Stone, maybe someday. Yeah. That's what you're so you told me. Yeah. Yeah. And really brilliant world builder. Mm -hmm. Like the world building in um the name of the wind is pretty spectacular. Mm -hmm. It like all fantasy, people have started doing this really kind of like jaded negative, like looking at it and going, oh well, you know, and they started picking it apart. Um, sure. Over time, I think that's just an expression of people's frustration with the series not being finished. But again, mm-hmm. it's you know that's that's his books. Right. So just, just move on to something. Just else. move on to something else, and if it comes out, read it. But like turning on the guy seems ridiculous. Yeah. But his world building and you know his unique creative magic system he built in that. Now you've never read it, right? Um, name of the one is that's the one I. Sh- <laughs> did you start it and not finish it? Like with many books, um, I started to. Um, and did not finish it, but okay. so I know the overall. I, I really, really enjoyed the first book. Right. The second book lost me a little bit, and right. I haven't read. I think he wrote either a, a short story or a book that takes place in between the other books, mm-hmm. but he has not written the third of the trilogy yet. I believe that's going to be called Doors of Stone. So that is just some general things that we're going to lay down. I think that we'll probably, when I this episode released, I'll put out a post on the website, www.fourthpillarofplay.com. Spelled out. Spelled out, no numbers. Yep. Sick of hear- me hearing me say that, yeah? Yeah. So there's going to be a certain point at which I'm going to say, like, if at this point you don't know, yeah, just I don't know how out. to help you. Figure it out. It's fine. Really, the thing that trips it up the most is Twitter. Yeah. But Twitter's still up in the air. Twitter is definitely an up-in-the-air thing. Because <laughs> yeah. so. in three weeks, who knows if we're even still there. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, you know, beginning of December, when this comes out, I don't know. But you'll definitely find us at www.fourthpillar.com. Yep, that's play. not going anywhere. Yeah. And that's where I will post articles and things to accompany each of these episodes. So I might type out our answers just so people can kind of see, yeah. put out some of the document writing that we've been working on towards building up Estorok. Yep. Um if you're unaware, one of the reasons we have this three-week delay is so that we have time to write up and create the material that goes along with the release of the episodes. Right. So that that helps with the workflow quite a bit. If there's anything, if there's any ever anything of immediate TTRPG or game design value, we'll do a special episode and we'll throw yeah. it in. Yeah, if we, if we think it's uh, germane. Exactly. So that you know and we talked about some of those mechanics that we wanted to have we wanted to we know we want nullomancy mm-hmm. so we have a school of magic we want to develop yep. we know that that's also probably going to lead to some subclasses some wizard i'm yeah. guessing wizard subclasses and sorcerer subclasses yeah well the nature of iliaster what we've been finding is as we develop it is we're going to have to really make some significant mechanical changes some to nice a, character options yeah there. yeah um like i was saying the guys uh the folks on the ground uh druids are going to are going to benefit you know right taking the standard uh 
classes within 5e druids are going to get a huge benefit from it um rangers rangers will also so i'm envisioning specific esterok subclasses relating to iliaster and the verge mm-hmm. for wizards yep sorcerers yep rangers yep druids definitely druids yeah clerics well clerics yeah clerics because i was thinking clerics will have to um because when we figure out the divinity it's going to tie in Right. Or do we leave the, like, for instance, I imagine the healing of right. revergence. Maybe maybe that's in the hand of druids. Right. That's what I, w- I would think, that that would be more that of druids a are the ones who can do that. Clerics can't. Yep. Because even your, even your so-called gods cannot defeat the planet. Right. Yeah. That could be cool. Yeah, absolutely. So that also gives us, so we, that gives us some subclasses. I haven't really thought of any just raw classes yet. That's one of those things I've noticed. Is I'm going to have people... to go back in our old Notion notebook because I threw a couple in there. Yeah. But I don't, I definitely don't remember exactly what. Um, and so we have Revergence. So that's a mechanic that we're going to develop to talk about how, like, what are the effects? There's probably feats that could be included with that. Because I like the idea that Revergence is something that people can willingly tap into but at a certain point, it gets out of control. Right. So then it has to become something that you need to fix or it could you lose your character. Right. So I like that idea of like, it's like living on the edge. You know, I'm a, I'm a ranger on the edge. Right. I've got vine arms. But if you let the vine arms go out of control, you end up a tree. And yeah. Or roll a new character. Yeah, worse or more horrible or whatever. Or more horrible. Right, right. exactly. Oh, it's like, I know you weren't a Game of Thrones person. I mean, I watched... The whole thing, unfortunately. I watched the, the all of Game of Thrones mostly, but what is it? The three-eyed raven? Mm-hmm. The yes, guy who was like grown the, into the tree? Yeah, he becomes a whole tree. Which is yeah. pretty horrific. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, I think as far as... Yeah, and the other thing I had written down, I would written down ideas like with our druids and our rangers, things like... I like the idea of just as a piece of fluff for the world, calling them warders or wayfarers. Because it's their specialty to go out into the verge and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I we've had some ideas for a custom lineage, a plant person. Yeah. Because I keep looking at pictures of the swamp thing and thinking, that'd be cool. Yeah. And I have very specifically not gone looking for other people who have written plant-based 5e cla- uh, right, lineages. Right, because I remember I pointed, I had said to you, Pathfinder. Because Pathfinder has one. I'm sure there's a bunch of other people that for have sure. them, but I don't want to look at them. That's yeah. If I could ask a professional game designer any question, that's what I would ask them. I would ask them, how does novelty play into when you're designing? How do you approach something? If someone says, oh, I'm going to design a plant lineage, how do you not pull in from other things you've seen? How do you not go... Well, I mean, I can write one, but, you know, this game company wrote one that's I can't beat. Right, right. But um, I can't use that one because this is a different world. Yeah. Well, you know, it's just creative discipline, I guess. Yeah. And If I didn't want to be a nuisance, I would start, like, tweeting that question at professional right. game designers. But we 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 were told that's not... You know, we were told that. that is not... That is gauche. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> we, we, we would never want to be gauche. Yeah, yeah. I'm not even 100% <laughs> what that means, but I don't want to be it. I think it's fancy tacky. Oh, Okay. Well, I could be fancy tacky. It's I'm fine with that. Tacky for fancy people. <laughs> you know. I'll just <laughs> But asking that was really gauche of you. Yeah, well, maybe. Or no, maybe it was just tacky. Yeah. Either way. <laughs> it's clarified now. It's fine. I won't do it. All right. What is next? Well, I believe it is a random encounter, right? Uh-oh. Oh. Oh no. See, this is where da, we need da, the da. dice rolling. We need the dice rolling. We so. need like a monster growl, yeah. some action music, and some dice rolling. Yeah. So are you are you enacting the random encounter today? Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. again. Right. Um, so on me. this is a very simple random encounter. So with all of the various um, 
opinions that come forth for uh, 1D&D. Right. The one that seems pretty consistent that comes up is the the concern about the official Wizards of the Coast virtual tabletop. Oh, yeah. Because in that presentation for 1D&D, it looked um, incredible. Sure. I mean, you know, you could design uh, a mini with a, with the Unreal Engine... I don't know what number they're up to. Four you can or five. like digitally sculpt your mini. Oh yeah, man, you that can is pretty cool. much. You can pretty much. Well, you can't really digitally sculpt it, but you know, like if you play your average game now, where you can where you can customize your character, your average video game, which is where the concern mm-hmm. comes in. When you, your average video game, you can customize. You know, you know, it's it, you spend two hours customizing a character that you never by, see. Yeah, that you never see, and then by the time you get in there, you're like, well. I don't have time to play this video game anyway. Like, That's what was... I did when I tried to play Bloodborne, which is the right. coolest looking video game that well, I want to did... play with every ounce of my heart that yep. I just can't play. El- Elden Ring, same thing. I did. I created this really cool looking character, and then I was like, I don't like this. It's too hard. I'm old. <laughs> um, there's there's no story mode. Yeah, I need something that just makes it easy, and then that's because anyway. Um, so that comes up a lot, a lot of concern because it looks so. You know, it's funny because ultimately, I think. That, that's my opinion of it. But ultimately, my opinion of people's opinions is because it looks so good. Mm-hmm. I mean, it blows Foundry and D20. They don't, they can't really compete with what, in theory, this could put out. Well, they own the IP, too, which yeah. is the other part of it. That, it has I mean, been it has coming a lot. Dungeon Builder. Um, it's, if, if ever, you know, because right at this point, it's still vaporware. Sure. Um, you know, it's not, it doesn't exist. This was a demo. This, you know, we've been shown essentially the, you know, the, the cut the scene, concept the, art, the concept essentially, you know, in action. Um, but I mean, if it turns out as great as it is, the concern is, but you know, of course it's the traditionalist. Well, this isn't how you play the game. It's going to change how the game is played and yada, yada, yada. To that, I always say boohoo. Well, that's my no thing one's telling you how to play it. And, and we say, and I say that all the time. Um, you know, no one's taking a table away from you. They're you're, you're always going to be able to get a hold of dice. None of that is going to disappear. Um, but one of the other concerns is that it becomes uh, so proprietary at that point, right? right. And uh, we don't know, know if there's going to be uh, an open reference document or open system reference right. for one D&D. Right. So where that could play into us you know, pretending to be game designers mm-hmm. is that whatever we write and create, maybe we're locked into current fifth edition. Right. And we can't push it forward into one D and D, right? Which um, is fine. Which but... is fine because I'm perfectly comfortable. Well, that's how Pathfinder being Pathfinder, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So D and D moved beyond it, and Pathfinder was like, "Well, we're going to stay back here." Yeah, and then uh, I believe Wizards or whoever you know at the time was like, "Yeah, okay, yeah, go ahead. Go we're ahead. not using it anyway." I believe there used to be the caveat with the original Pathfinder that they had to, they could publish them, but that at a certain point they had to make them free as PDFs. Yeah, they could still continue to publish them, but they had to be available at some point for people for free. Something like that. But um, just to go back directly to the virtual tabletop, it's just interesting that people are so they find it very threatening that the right. idea of it, um, you know, it's just an attempt, I think, to make things easier. Yeah, the and, virtual tabletop doesn't stress me out at all. I mean, I'm not a virtual tabletop player. Right. At some point, I'm sure I will dip my toes into online play but i will probably just default to using owlbear rodeo Mm -hmm. which if you're not familiar with owlbear rodeo that's what we've used i've we've used it in the past for our our tv on our table Mm -hmm. but not for online play yeah Um, i learned about it from mike shea on the sly flourish podcast and it it is great but it's great because of its simplicity Mm -hmm. it's no frill it just does what it's supposed to do and it works right 
the virtual tabletop for 1D&D, to me, it obviously represents, I mean, they would be foolish not to capitalize upon the fact that so many people play online. Right. I mean, look at COVID. I mean, yeah, that's, exactly. that's a big part of the resurgence. There's no reason for them not do. to do this from a business standpoint. Mm-hmm. I don't begrudge them creating their own tabletop. And they should have the best one. And they and they should. They have the pockets. Yeah. And yeah. They didn't have the best character creator. They had a license with the best character creator, mm-hmm. but they have since now, they have enveloped it. So yeah, now they, they do have the best character creator, but that's going to affect us. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about it, anything we create, any subclass, any monster or anything like that is not going to be available in D&D Beyond or unless on their virtual tabletop. Unless we're absolutely gobsmacked, shocked. Exactly. <laughs> you know, unless, would... unless they really come out of left field and all of a sudden, because right now they don't. Right. You yep. can't put in classes from, say, like a Cobalt Press or a mm-hmm. Nord Games or, or um, oh, I forget the name of the company that did the Taldori Reborn. Yep. But you can create them as homebrew, mm-hmm. but then it's gauche, yeah. tacky, yep. to share those publicly. But if you go into D&D Beyond and you search the homebrew section, you can find just about any monster from any book. Mm-hmm. But that's bad. Right. Because you're sharing content that's not yours. So I can feel mm-hmm. as a player or as a as a GM that mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, thank God someone's put this in there. As someone trying to write this stuff, right. I'm like, oh, oh no, that's in there. I don't want I don't so that's you know, that double edged you know perspective. And it is funny because they wouldn't it's so as initially ridiculous as it might sound, like, well, you know, they're not gonna let home you know, why would a big company let people's homebrew or people's things that they create be officially a part of it? But because it's so similar to a video game, my thinking is I, I think of Valve right. software, um, you know, and just PC gaming in general, a lot of the stuff that really, um, you know, has a really long shelf life and continues was, you know, modders got to make new levels for, you know, Half-Life 2. I mean, that spawned sure. Counter-Strike and, you know, and all these. And I believe Dota, Dota, is it Dota 2 is based on warcraft is it yeah i think it was like a mod of warcraft and now it's it's now it's its own thing i tried Um, watching the anime on netflix i i sort of got into it but i kept losing the story was that league of legends no that was dota 2 there's a dota 2 blood of dragons okay no i didn't watch it yeah um so you know and i find that interesting that if they were to embrace that then things like what we do what cobalt press does could just keep them a you know just be an additional thing to keep them afloat i I have a hard time believing that wizards of the coast or hasbro is going to turn around and try alienating the vast industry of third-party publishers Mm -hmm. that are working because it would be short-sighted to just see those as competitors to our products right because they are not just competitors to your product while sure in the Mm -hmm. strictest sense they are they are creating that overall the ubiquitous the ubiquitousness of the brand awareness. Yeah. So the fact that you have all these people, like look on Kickstarter on gaming, it's like a million different 5e mm-hmm. products. It would be stupid to not understand that that's part of what's making people see D and D. Yeah, it's, sure they're playing on ESPN with football players now, mm-hmm. um, and it's on Stranger Things and things like that. But for the players, all those other publishing companies are also what drive that constant. I mean. Mm-hmm. I, you know that you start playing Dungeons and Dragons and all of a sudden you have a bookshelf full of books and you're like, yeah. how did I spend $600 on books in a year? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting. So, because, 
you're right. It would seem like it would be a really bad idea to alienate them. And I would think anybody, I'm just guessing, not knowing anybody, but I would think anybody within the gaming industry would perhaps know that. But I believe you were the one that told me the concern was they didn't they just hire um, a Microsoft guy. They've hired two Microsoft people. The president of Dungeons and Dragons, or whoever was in, I, again, I don't have the exacts on this. So I'm sure. speaking in very vague terms. If you want to mm-hmm. listen to something like the the Mastering Dungeons podcast or something like that, they talk about this in, in detail using names because they know these people for right. a lot of the time. Um, the head of... The president, CEO of Hasbro came from Dungeons and Dragons or came from Wizards of the Coast. Mm-hmm. And then they hired the new head of Wizards of the Coast, who is a either Microsoft slash Amazon games a, online a tech content. Guy, not a, a game guy, a, tech a, guy. Or, or woman. I don't know if it was a tech woman person. Or a tech not person. A, yeah, tech person. And then they just hired another development person specifically for Dungeons and Dragons, which I guess is a first. Mm hmm. And that person is also an Amazon slash Microsoft online right. tech person. And one of the big designers for Dungeons & Dragons just left Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah, he left. Dragons. He was serving uh, alongside them, I think. Right. And now he's gone. And then he was like, So there's know. definitely movement at the corporate level for the mm-hmm. brand. We're just going to continue to have to sit there and sit here and go, what happens, happens. Yeah. But it definitely has impact on game design because... Mm-hmm. What what if we go to all this effort to write all this stuff down and we spend hours writing it and then Wizards of the Coast says we're pulling the open uh, the open gaming license the OGL and mm-hmm. you no longer allowed to do that by law any further printings are illegal well well I guess we're giving it out for free I guess yeah or I, I mean guess, that's sort of what we're doing already but yeah I guess we'll just have to make our own system exactly <laughs> and, and that will be that'll be the top that's that's the pinnacle of our design mountain yeah as we're designing through dungeons and dragons i again we've talked about we'll go to like other systems and look mm-hmm. at them yeah but we should probably at some point a couple years down the line we should probably look at making our own system yeah that terrifies me because again that novelty how do you come up with anything that someone hasn't already done yeah well, yeah. Well, there was that horror uh, RPG that I told you, the horror, uh, the horror, the horror tabletop that uses Jenga instead of dice rolls. Yep. And there's also one called Ten Candles, where you blow out candles. Yeah. It, it's almost like every new creative idea has already been done. There's no new ideas. Right. And I know that's not correct. I know it's right. not correct, but it gives me such a deep anxiety. Well, I feel like German D and D uses. The reverse uh, math? They reverse. They reverse the math because they couldn't get the rights to D and D. So a one is preferable to a twenty. <laughs> they, they like golfed it but like yeah. i haven't read the dune rpg i don't know what system that does and so many of these other systems well, i mean come in, out. was it was it cypher that released literally it's called cypher because you're supposed to be able to apply uh whatever anything. ip you come up with so yeah there's a cypher system uh, lots of different things will come out especially if they're built on an intellectual property mm-hmm. they'll they'll use an existing system they'll license with an existing system for instance the avatar the last airbender largest RPG Kickstarter in history is using Powered by the Apocalypse. There's Monster of the Week. There's Kids on Brooms, which is now getting its second edition on Kickstarter. It's just wrapping up. There's um, all these other systems. And I look at things like every day I go to the games, every week I go to the game store and I walk past the RPG books and I see things like there's a um, Dark Crystal RPG. Mm -hmm. There's a dune the new dune rpg and there's a labyrinth one there's a labyrinth rpg there's a fairy tale rpg there's um vasen vasen mm-hmm. which yeah, looks really cool that that's the yeah. one we couldn't remember the name of yeah which is the nordic horror adventure fantasy one yeah. i haven't 
looked at those systems. There's Mork Bork. Yeah. Mork Bork. Yeah. Which is almost more an art book than an RPG, but they actually released their system without the art for free. Yeah. I would, I would, one of the things we should do at some point is we should look at those systems and go, okay, what makes this system different than 5e? Right. Because well, I will you freely know, admit that 5e is where I'm familiar and comfortable. Yeah. But I almost wonder if as we develop along, um, this, we've really made this a very random encounter, but I almost wonder if as we develop along, if we shouldn't stop and look at those just to wonder, maybe this system fits better with what we're doing. Right. Or maybe mm-hmm. we can have ideas like, we wish the system did X. And yeah. the more things we put in a list of, we wish the yeah. system did X or didn't do X. Yeah. That'll lead to us with a, a new system. All right. So tabletop, virtual tabletop uh, as a random encounter issue. Ended up being most of our discussion, but that's okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so ultimately, I think, uh, you know, no one's taking your D&D books away from you. Nobody is going to take your D&D books away you from you. You can still use them. You're good. I honestly see myself sticking with 5e. Sure. For a while. And again, honestly, if if you had to, I mean, you can probably guess, if someone said, twisted my arm and said, okay, you can't play 5e anymore, you have to play a variation on 5e, Mm -hmm. I would just jump over and do advanced 5e, the level up 5e. Right. Which is fantastic. I love it. Yeah. So, So, but that is still just a version of Mm D&D. All right. So we can wrap up. We're getting close to the end here, but let's, do you want to talk a little bit about our uh, settlement? Yes. Yes. Okay. So that settlement's going to be important because our first adventure we write is probably going to have to focus on that settlement. Yes, this is our, you know, our Baldur's Gate, our Waterdeep. Right. Well, our our big city is Farpoint. That's true. That's true. Farpoint is the big city. That's our big city, which I we haven't touched that one yet because that's a big that's that's up the mountain a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that that's right. That would be the big one. Yeah. This is our this is our settlement. So it's smaller scale. Mm-hmm. What makes uh, what do we call it? Last call. Last call. Yeah. Last call. So we're trying to stick with more kind of realistic naming conventions here instead mm-hmm. of coming up with weird fantasy. Last call. It's your last call because this is the last settlement before the verge. Yeah. And yeah, at this point, the the verge, uh, this, this is the last point where the verge thins out. Yes. You and go beyond last call and, you know, uh, you better be ready. You're, you you got to be ready. Yep. So we've envisioned and we've talked about that the settlement of last call is a settlement built in two parts. Mm-hmm. It is... One half of a settlement at the top of the broken end of a piece of the Colossal Expanse. Mm -hmm. So the longest stretch of unbroken Colossal Expanse goes from Last Call to Farpoint. And there are places where it's broken and things in between, but it's able to be traversed for the most part. Right. Here, it's hundreds of feet off the ground, broken off, suspended by ancient gigantic gigantic pillars, Mm -hmm. you know, as big around as buildings, if not bigger. Yeah. And at the top, there's a Half of a settlement, half of a village, mm-hmm. um, half of a large town, probably town size. Yeah, probably town size. And then coming down that edge is built structures and a series of like lifts and elevators, I imagine. Yeah. And that are all connected to the pillars. People have carved into the pillars. Mm-hmm. And then it goes with switchback roads and it goes all the way down to the settlement on the ground. All of it grown over with ivy and things. Even crawling up into the wood settlement sign picture, yeah. you know, trees and mm-hmm. ivy and and pre-verge growth. So that even when you're halfway down, you there's still trees and animals. Right. So you have... I like, I like the idea of a lot of roads that are kind of, uh, you can tell were probably traversed once, but the verge just took them. Yeah, and, and they we just kind of keep around working around what grows. You're, you're constantly building around it. You know, the they maybe they use nullomantic lanterns to try to keep this place as safe as possible mm-hmm. to keep the verge from growing, um, which is why they're dependent upon Farpoint. But maybe Farpoint is dependent upon Last Call because that's where right. 
any of the research done on Iliaster or the Verge has to launch from here. Yeah. And this is where people train to be wayfarers and wardens, mm-hmm. where they are the ones that go in. Yeah. So what would be then... So that's what makes it unique is the fact that it's a it's an up and down, half on top, half on the bottom, and all the stuff stretching in between. Right, because in between is going to have a platform type. You know, people could be Ewok Village. Exactly. You know, that it, type oh, yeah. of thing. Ewok all the way Village. Yeah. I imagine the tavern the idea that we had was mm-hmm. called the Emerald Midway. Yeah. So and it's literally. It's yeah. literally halfway between the, the, the top and the bottom. Yeah. So where would the conflict come from this town? Um, Where did, where, where was it? Oh. We haven't talked about it. Okay, so the conflict would be in this town. Evil cultists. You could definitely have cultists. Because they're... You could, you're right on the verge of people. <laughs> oh, yeah, monster incursions from the verge. Yeah, that's going to be constantly happening because you're you're pushing back at the... Yeah, this, this is... This is their turf. You're right on. You're right lined up with their turf, and you're not creating much of a. Speaking of monsters and animals, I did have an idea that I wanted to throw out to you, and that mm-hmm. was because um, we've talked about before. We originally called this dark fantasy, but we also have called it savage fantasy or dark yes. savage fantasy. Yeah. I think one of the things we could do is we mechanically we could develop sort of a template that we can put on top of existing five e. Yes. animals yep. to make so it's not just a puma or a, a you know a leopard. It is a savage. Puma. Right, we can esterock it. Or an es- we can basically we can esterock it. Not creating it. Yeah. a new creature, but saying like you apply this to a stat block to make it. Now, talking about revergence, I think maybe we can kind of like we can get into more of the weeds with this in our next episode. So mm-hmm. I think I'm feeling like this is gonna be a two parter. Yeah, yeah. Because so we're I, gonna because the random encounter went on for a while, but now it was yeah, a really but, good one though. Yeah, well. So we'll, let's, in our next episode, talk about, we'll, we'll pick up from here then. Yeah, we'll pick up right from, yeah. So from the dangers, and let's talk about those incursions, because I want to talk about revergence mm-hmm. as one of the sources of conflict in this town. Yeah. And I want to talk about some of the different types of revergence that we've that we've Yeah, because with. I could see some people being pro-revergence in a responsible manner, and I could see a lot of people are like, are you freaking crazy? Right. You look where we are. The last thing you want to do is invite trouble. Get out of here with your bark skin. Yeah, you're you're doing that stuff. You're just bringing trouble. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. And you showed me art. I think of a dragon made of plants. Yeah. And that's one of the ideas that gave me for the revergence is mm-hmm. that um, here's a here's your sneak peek for the next episode, folks. Yeah. Is that I imagine revergence happening one of four ways. Mm-hmm. It can happen. Uh, you can have floral revergence. Oh, yep, yep. Which turns you you start turning planty. Mm-hmm. Planty. Yep. You can have um mycelial revergence yeah um fungus people yeah props to the fungus props to fungus yeah um the mycelial network we can jump through space and time just like the discovery um you had uh faunal faunal so So that is that's again that's gonna be where we develop like that's where that's where your animal races and lineages come into play claws yuan t came about through revergence Mm -hmm. in this world yeah um, and then mineral. mineral, and I don't know yeah. about mineral. Mineral, I'm, I'm kind of like eh, on mineral. Well, like, I mean, if you're gonna, if we're at some point going to have uh, a swamp thing like plant person, and that's kind of representative of the verge, um, it, it would. I, I I like the yin and the yang of uh, there is maybe a, some of the isolationist dwarves who've dug into the mountains. There's when that, they finally or, meet them, they turn yeah, their they're half stone, or even up on the colossal expanse oh, because you know, yeah. Then you again, it kind of points to that yin and the yang. You have the plant. You know, mm-hmm. the, the swamp thing folks down there, and you have the, the thing clobbering time up here. You know, right, exactly. Like that type of thing. I love that. It would seem they would be drawn to that if it, you know, unconsciously. So I think that's sort of our preview for next episode. I think yeah. we'll just pick up right here and keep jumping right in. Yeah. Let's talk more about Last Call, mm-hmm. the dangers of Last Call, 
and the essence and nature of revergence yeah. in our next episode. Yeah, and because then that will lead to a little bit of maybe we take some time and give some thought to like the culture. Yeah. You know, how people actually live day to day in this particular spot. So that's, that's awesome. great. All right. Well, then um, this isn't goodbye. No, this is We're not just... goodbye. This is just until next time. Until, yeah, until next time. So um, yeah, this is, that's all our time for today. Uh, we want to thank all of you listening uh, out there again for listening to us and going along on this journey with us. Uh, for more information or to look at our drafts of our creations and the things we've talked about, visit our website at www.fourthpillarofplay.com. That's all spelled out. That's all spelled out. Where you can also like, follow, or message us on Twitter or Instagram. Twitter pending. Yeah. Twitter. Uh, <laughs> it might be Mastodon. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? There is something coming out that's supposed to be a Twitter rival. Well, he he fired enough staff. They, 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 just can, all just, they can take their golden parachutes and move across yeah, the street. All the staff you dump can just go make their own. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, with that... Thank you so much, Josh. This yeah. has been super fun. Well, thanks for having me again. Absolutely. So, uh, I'm Talon... And I'm Josh, and, and we, we will look, yeah. see you later. We'll yeah. pick up, uh, what was it? What's our thing? We look forward to creating more that with is, you. Yeah, we look forward to creating more with you. All, All right. right. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye.